Today's daf is daf Samach Zayin, page 67. And uh, as we said on the yesterday, we're going to go back a drop to the bottom of Samach Vav Amr Beis. To begin again, for those who had to jump off for the last couple of minutes, we're going to start again from Ahi Itza. Anyway, it's the beginning of uh, the sugya that we left off in the middle of. So we're going to start from the words Hahi Itza. There was a woman, if you look on Samach Vav Amr Beis, we're going to go up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines from the bottom of the page. The first word is itisa. Here we go. Hahi itisa. There was a woman. Now let's remember. Yesterday we learned the difference between nichsei malug and nichsei tzombarza. Nichsei malug is that a woman comes into the marriage. The, she's going to get back the item itself. Um, with appreciation, depreciation, the husband is allowed to use whatever payros came out during the marriage, but ultimately goes back to her. That's Nixay Malug. Nixay Sombarzel is when the husband guarantees the value. So even if it depreciates in value, if the husband, um, if the husband made it Nixay Sombarzel, if he agreed to that, then she's going to get back the item plus whatever value was depreciated. So there was a woman. Here we go. The She brought into her marriage a fancy coat. We yesterday we said it was a mink coat, not a mink, made out of wool, whatever it was, an expensive garment that um, she brought into the marriage as nichseit sombarzel. So the husband is guaranteeing its value. Shachiv, the husband died. The 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 orphans of the husband took her coat and used it for tachrichim, for burial shrouds of their father. Now the halacha is that something that's designated to be burial shrouds for a person who passes away, you're not allowed to benefit from it at all. So here we now have a problem because it's really hers. She's supposed to get it back. However, they used it as his tachrichim. Amor Rav, Rav says, Kanya misna. She does not get it back. Now we're agreeing they do need to pay her back the value. She's going to get the value back, but she doesn't get the actual garment back. So... Now that we said this, the Gemara is bothered. I don't understand. How can you say she does not get the garment back? We paskin yesterday's sugya like Rav Yehuda. Yesterday we had a machlokas, whether at the end of the marriage the property goes back to the wife, whether it remains with the husband. Rav Yehuda said it remains with the husband. Okay? I'm sorry. Rav Yehuda said that it goes back to the wife. Ask the Gemara, if you're passing the Rebbe Yehuda, that it goes back to the wife, why are you telling me now that when they use it as burial shrouds, that it stays with the mace? It should go back to her if Allah is like Rebbe Yehuda. Amar Leir, if Kahana responded, no. I'll explain to you. Doesn't Rebbe Yehuda agree by Mechusar Gevayna? This is where we left off, and we'll explain in a moment what this is. Mechusar Gevayna means it's lacking collection. Okay? The Kivan, the Mechusar Gevayna, since it's lacking collection, Birshu Seikai. It remains in his domain. It remains in the domain of the husband. Now, what's going on over here? Let's give a explanation. So, there's a fascinating circumstance where you can have somebody who owes money to somebody else. Let's say $5,000. And I say, I'm borrowing $5,000. In lieu of the five, to, to purchase, to, to ensure that I'm going to give you back the $5,000, I'm going to set aside my $5,000 ring. Okay, that's what we, that, that's something called an apotiki. Apotiki means apotahekai, that you made not, you made a specific collateral. 
a specific collateral where the only thing that can be collected for the lack of payment is going to be, we'll call it this piece of jewelry, this ring. Okay. Now, interestingly, the halacha seems to tell us that when, when you make an apotiki, when you make a specific collateral, it's ev- we're even going to look at that collateral as if it, you, you kind of paid it. It's as if like the $5,000 is already paid back with the ring when it's set aside as collateral. It's just that you haven't yet collected it because you don't have the ring in your total ownership. So this is a fascinating lumdus over here. We're... Apotiki makes it like it's collected, except that it's lacking collection, because Lamaisa, you never took it. And that's what the Gemara is pointing out over here as well. And this is the nuanced answer, the Lamdisha answer the Gemara is giving. And the Gemara is saying like this, Lamdish doesn't mean nuance, but you get what I'm saying. Here's what's happening. He said, I, doesn't Rabbi Huda agree that the wife gets it back? So how could you tell me Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda and the dead person still holds on to it? So the Gemara is saying, you know, it's true Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Yehuda will agree that when an apotiki is, that even an apotiki is mechusr gavayna, meaning if you haven't collected it yet and something happens in the meantime, that can change things. So for example, was this expensive coat nichseit son barzel? Absolutely. However, since something happened in the interim to, between the death and the actual collection to cause that there's a, now a svara, a reason that it should be lost from going back to her. Rabbi Yehuda, even Rabbi Yehuda will agree that the coat stays with the mace. Now, of course they need to give her back the value. What we're discussing here is specifically the, the cloak, the coat. Rav Tamei, Rav is consistent with his own reasoning. Because Rav says, hektish if a person sets aside in apotiki as hektish. Okay, I set aside this ring, I say I'm going to pay back with the ring, and then I make it hektish. I sanctify it, belongs to the base of mikdash. Okay, or something becomes chametz, and that was forbidden to benefit for, or a freed servant, that was an apotiki, mafkiin midei shibud, all these things are mafkiin midei shibud, they remove the actual item from having a lien on it. Now, you do need to pay the value, let's keep reiterating, you are, you are going to still be obligated in the value, but as far as the item itself, things have changed and the item itself will not go back to the owner as was originally committed. Okay, Gavaldik. Says the Gemara Viter. Amar, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, A wife brings into her marriage two pieces of silver, each one worth a thousand zuz. And then when she gets, well, let's say she gets divorced, her husband dies. And each piece of silver appreciates. It goes up in value. They're now each worth 2,000 zuz. So she could take one back as her ksuba because that was the value that she originally brought in. Now, it's, we're obviously dealing here with Nechseit Sombarzo, where all the husband committed to was the value. So if the value went up in appreciation, he's going to get it, right? So now, originally she came with 2,000 Zuz value between the two of them. Now, together they're worth 4,000 Zuz. So she's going to take down take one back, which is the original value that she brought in. And the other one, she could still demand the piece of silver back, but she's going to have to pay for it. All right, let's say it's like belongs to her family, right? Because it was originally in her family's 
domain or family's jurisdiction. Hence, she could take back the silver if she wants, but she's going to have to pay for it. Okay, says the Gemara, I don't understand the Chiddush. What are you trying to tell me? My Kamash Malan. What's your Chiddush? Shavach Beisavia didahave. Ha'amar Rebuda Chodazimna. You want to tell me that Shavach Beisavia, she can take it back? Rebuda already taught that to me on yesterday's daf. Says Gemara, Ma'odim, I would have thought to say, Hanimi lihicha demotio lemeshko b'ksuvasa. That the only time she gets it back is when those were, were, those were meant to be for her anyway when her ksuva was taken. But let's say anything that's added value or additional items, uh, we wouldn't know from Rabbi Yehuda's original statement that she's allowed to take it. Therefore, we have an added over here. Rabbi Yehuda lets us know that even when everything appreciates in value, um, the, appreci- the item that appreciated, the wife can still demand back, but she'll just give that value to her husband, Kabaldik. Period. Excellent, excellent. That's the end of the Gemara. We now begin the next Mishnah. Here we go. Basi this is the Kayan. If you have a Basi a regular, nice Jewish young lady who marries a Kayan, Umais, and the Kohen dies. Okay. Now, usually, the, if a Basi marries a Kohen, she could only continue to eat Shuma if she had children. Now, the Hinicha Mu'ubaris. She, Rashi teaches us, she actually had previous children already. She happens to be pregnant at his time of death. Okay. What about her servants? So, Her tzayn barzel, avodim, are not allowed to eat truma now. She's, al- she's allowed to because she has children. Okay. But the tzayn barzel that originally when she was married were owned by the husband. So they were allowed to eat. Now that the husband dies... They're going back to her, so they're not allowed to eat truma anymore. Okay. Kvaldik. I lost the place, I'm sorry. Um, because of the chalak of the uber. Okay. Now, what does it mean, the chalak of the uber? So, now that we have a woman who's pregnant with a child, this child is now going to take ownership in place of his father. And the child is not able to give over any sort of acquisition. He's not able to, to uh, give over his possessions. And therefore, because of him, the Avadim are not allowed to eat truma. Okay. The fact that there is an Uber here, that puzzles up, in general, somebody from, uh, somebody from eating truma. And it also, the, the rule of Uber is, whenever there's a fetus, it does not give other people the rights to begin eating truma, this is all the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, Divi Rabbi Yaisi. Amrullah, the Chacham said to Rabbi Yaisi, I don't understand. Once you've established for us, we're dealing with a regular Jewish woman who was married to a Kayin, Af Bas Kayin the Kayin. It should even be true when you have a Bas Kohen who married a Kohen, who mace, and the Kohen now dies, Vinichamu Beres, and there's a a uh, pregnant child in here, that the, even the Avadim should not be allowed to eat Shuma, because this, the, they're officially in the domain of the baby, but the, the, the baby is not able to give over the rights for Shuma eating. Okay, so the sages are challenging Rabbi Yaisi, we'll call it within his own words, within his own words, of saying that anytime you have an, you have an Uber, you have a fetus, you could, that, that does not allow, or it actually prohibits the servants from eating truma, the same thing should apply whether the mother is from a family of Kohanim or not. And now the Gemara is going to go through 
this fascinating conversation and the back and forth, the difference between a Yisraelis and a Kayan Ibailahu. They asked the question, searching for information, time of their The reason for Abyaisi, who says that the Avadim cannot eat Shuma, Mishundakasavar Zarhu, is it because he holds fascinating Shailah? The baby inside the mother. Is the baby called a Kohen? Or not? What's the Shaila? Is the baby inside the mother a Kayan? And now if he's a Kayan, he's capable of eating Shuma, and then maybe if, he's, if he would be able to eat, he could eat the Shuma. Say so it's just considered like a toothache, like we said yesterday, so then they should also be allowed to eat Shuma. Or do we say no? A fetus inside of a Jewish mother is not considered, from, from a Kohen father, is not considered a Kohen until he's actually born. Or perhaps, Yalud Michael. Only a child who has been born gives over the rights to eat shuma. Meaning maybe he's a kayan even inside the fetus. Inside as a fetus. Still, the fact that you're not born, that's what's getting in the way. That's the shaila over here. Okay, the shaila is again, this fetus. What problem is being caused? Is it because the fetus is not called a kayan at all? Or is the fetus a kayan, but he's just not born? And the fact that it's not born is the problem. So says the wine of Kamina, who cares? Meaning... To me, it just seems like mental gymnastics, this lumdus. Tell me why, why it would make a practical difference. So Gemara says, I'll tell you. Because it will make a practical difference for an ober inside of a kohenes. Now, if the mother is also from a family of kohenes, this child is certainly a kohen. The fetus inside of a kohenes. His father's a kohen. There's no reason to wait for him to be born to be called a kohen. But if you say that any time you have an unborn child does not allow somebody else to eat shuma, does not allow the Avadim to eat shuma, so then it wouldn't make enough kamina, it wouldn't make a difference whether the mother was Yisraelis or a Kahenis. The Gemara says, my, now that we know why it matters, why you're asking the question, what's Taka the Halacha? It's a great question. Says the Gemara. Amar Rabbah. Rabbah says, time This is the reason for zarhu. Listen to this, amazing. When you have a Yisraelis woman married to a Kohen, while the baby's inside of her, he is considered a regular Yisrael until he's actually born. Rebbe says, no. Yolod Michael, that only a child that's born can give over the rights to eat Shuma to somebody else. Shein Yolod Enoi Michael. If it's not born, you cannot. Okay, so the, we said... Uh, we had a Shaila, and the answer is Machlaikas between Rabba and Rabbi Yosef. That's a challenging question. Once you told us the halacha about a Bas Yisrael to a Kohen, Bas Kohen the Kohen Mahu, what would be the halacha about a Bas Kohen to a Kohen? They asked him the Shaila and Amr, how did Rabbi Yosef respond? What would the halacha be by a Kohenes to a Kohen? Zushamati, I only heard the halacha about a Yisraelis married to a Kohen. Vizulayshamati, I'm not sure. Now, that was the conversation. Says Gemara like this. It makes sense according to, it's understandable if you want to say, that a fetus inside the mother is always considered a Yisrael. That's why he said, listen, I only spoke, I only spoke about the halacha, about a Yisraelis to a Kohen. I didn't hear about a Kohenes. Okay? Because by a Kohenes, it's going to be a whole different Shiloh. About whether you need to be born or not. Ali Amrit, you Michael. But if you're going to say that Rabbi Yaisi held that in order to be able to give over the rights to Truma to the Avadim, you need to already be born. Shein Yolod Eina Michael. And if not born, you cannot give over the rights. My Zushamati, Zulai Shamati. Why did he say, oh, I only heard the Allah by a regular Yisraelis, not by a Kahanis? It's the same Shaila. 
ihi, ihi, both cases would have the same thing. If the whole thing is dependent on a child being born, there's no difference at all. If the mother's Yisrael is Zerakahana's beautiful. Yeah, it is. So the Gemara is asking a challenging question. And we say, listen, according to you, Rabbi Yisif, who says that Yalod Michael, it's dependent on whether you're born. If it's dependent on whether you're born, why did Rabbi Yisif respond to the Chachamim, I don't know what the halacha is by a Kahana's mother? You sure do. The baby's not born. Of course they cannot eat. But since, um, and uh, since Rabbi Yisif responded, I don't know. We, Rabbi Yosef must be wrong. Towards the Gemara says, Kasha, this is a good question on Rabbi Yosef. Okay, go out it. Amar Rav Yudah, Amar Shmuel. Rav Yudah says in the name of Shmuel, you should know that this whole conversation that we were just learning, Zu divrei Rabbi Yosef, this is all the opinion of Rabbi Yosef. Okay, again, what was Rabbi Yosef's opinion in the Mishnah? That if the mother, if the Kayan passes away, leaving behind a pregnant wife, the fact that there's a fetus gets in the way of the Avodim being permitted to eat Shum. Okay. He says, that's only one opinion. Now we're going to focus on this opinion. If the Kayan had other kids, then the slaves can eat Shuma from the fact that there's already other children. If there were no other children. So then, who inherits the father? The Kohen, his brothers. So if the Kohen's inheriting, if the brothers are inheriting the Kohen, so then these servants can still eat Shuma because they're, right, they're, uh, they're getting the rights from the brothers of the deceased. If there's no brothers, there's the rest of the family of Kahan. Okay, so basically what the Chum are saying is that just because there is a fetus does not get in the way of these avodim being able to eat shum. Says the Gemara. Zu belay sfirale. If you look at the words of Rav Yudah Mashmol, go back a few lines. It's, what, what did he say? Zu divrei Rabbi Yaisi. These are the words of Rabbi Yaisi. Now, if you say these are the words says the Gemara, he didn't really agree. He's just quoting him. He's quoting Rabbi Yaisi, but it doesn't seem like he's agreeing. When you're saying, these are the words, it's kind of like you're separating yourself and you're pointing elsewhere. It's not me. Says the Gemara, one second. It's not you. There was a time where Shmuel said to Rav about Agadita, Pike Isi Lebeasara, please bring me ten people to Imalach Ba'an Payu, so I could tell you something in front of them. Hamazakila Oberkana, I want ten people to be here when I tell you that if somebody gives his possessions over to an Ober, over to a fetus, the fetus does acquire it. So you see that there, there's an ability for a fetus to acquire something, which is the opinion of Rebbe Isi, okay? Because if a fetus can acquire, and there's just other details getting in the way of the avodim. So now we know what the problem is. So the Gemara is saying, why say zudu very basic? You also would agree with that Shmuel that a fetus is capable of playing a role over here. So the Gemara says, no, elazu usvirale. When he says these, he's not saying these as opposed to me. Rabbi Yaisi holds up and I mean, he agrees with that. So the Gemara says, okay, fine. My kamash So what's the chiddush? The pligi This is the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, but the Chacham argues. What's his chiddush? He wants to quote the opinion of the Chachamim to us. Umi pligi. 
Is it really true? Most of Rav Zakai, Rav Zakai once asked the challenging question, This conversation was a halacha that Rav Yaisi said in the name of Shmaya and Avtalian, and everybody agreed that that taka was true. So we see everybody agreed with him. So why are you telling me that the Chum argue? Why Shmuel say a Chum argue? It seems everybody's in agreement with the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. Amar Avashi, Mikatani Vekiblu. No, it doesn't mean that they accepted his opinion. Vahaydu like the Tani. You know what it says? Vahaydu. They, they, uh, the, the word Maida means that they're grateful to it. They admit it. The Mistaver Taimi. Meaning they agreed that his reasoning was logical. But it doesn't mean that just because it was logical that they held that that's Taka the Halacha. Okay, Givaldik. So, Right now, what, we're, we're, what the Gemara has accomplished for us in the last few steps is tell us that even though Rabbi Yaisi in our Mishnah held that a fetus gets in the way of Avadim that are Nechzeitzah and Barzel from eating Truma, we have the words of the Chachamim who argue, and we're sticking to our guns that the Chachamim do Taka argue. Okay, fine. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and so should we. Hiniach Bonim. If the Kayan passed away and he left sons in the world, okay? Elu ve'elu eichlem. Any Eved that was owned by the father, whether they came, whether the Eved came into the marriage with Nechsei Malug or Nechsei Tzayim Barzal, Einon, Elu ve'elu eichlem. Both types of servants are permitted to, to uh, still eat Truma. Why? Because they belong to the inheritors. Okay, very good. Now, you might say, one second, if the Nechseit Son Barzel were the husband guaranteed, the kind guaranteed, I understand why they could continue eating because they belong to the children of the husband. But why, um, if they're Nechseit Malug, why are they allowed to keep eating? They don't belong to the husband. What's the obvious answer? Because there's kids here. And whenever there's kids, they even allow their mother, who was the Israelist, to keep eating Shuma. Now that she could eat Shuma, her avadim could keep eating shum as well. Okay. So that's if they had kids. Hinicha Mubaris. Let's say they didn't have any kids yet. She was just pregnant with a child and then he passes away. Elu ve'elu ein eichlen. Both nichsein melug and nichsein barzal cannot eat truma. Okay. Now, nichsein melug, we understand why. It's hers. Nichsein barzal, we have to understand. If the fetus is his own entity, they should belong to the fetus. If not, we get it. So that's going to be the conversation here. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. What happens if there's a living sons and his wife's pregnant? The Avdi Maluk could eat just like she eats from her children. But the Avdi cannot because of Rabbi Yaisi's original Svara. Because the fetus now is going to get in the way. So we said in our Mishnah, the Uber causes the Abadim to not be allowed to eat Shum anymore. And they can't give over the rights to anybody else. Which is the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. Consistent with his, with his opinion. In our Mishnah, uh, he's saying the same thing in his Brisa. Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yaisi, I remember Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yaisi, quotes his father, Rabbi Yaisi, to teach us as well. Habas Ma'achelas. If there's a daughter, a daughter allows other people to eat truma habein enay michael, while a son does not allow. Now, this seems to be a contradiction. We'll explain, uh, we'll explain a little bit later what's going on in this b'risa. Reb Shimon says, no, Zecharim, if there's any males, if there's any boys around, 
then Yaichlu, the, the, the Avodim, are still allowed to eat Truma. However, Kula Nekeva is if the only people that are left um, as inheritors are Nekevas, are women, Lai Yaichlu, the Avodim are not allowed to eat. You know why? Truma. You know why? Shema Yimotzei Uberzacher. Because, again, the mother's pregnant. What happens if the fetus turns out to be a male? If there's the fetus turns out to be a male, the fetus is going to own everything instead of the daughters, right? The sons inherit, not the daughters. The sons are obligated to take the money to support the daughters. But ultimately, they're the ones who halachically inherit. And, uh, therefore, the uber may very well stand in the way. That's the opinion of Rav Shem Let's We're going to focus on that opinion for a little bit, so let's get that clear. Rav Shem says that if the Kohen passed away and there's any Zecharim left behind, then the Avodim could eat because on account of the Zecharim, on account of the boys. However, if there's only females that are left behind, then you cannot because the Uber might be, the fetus might be a male, and if it's a male, it's going to get in the way of the slaves' eatings. So they need to wait for the fetus to be born. Says the Gemara, my area shami matzei uber zacher. Why would Rosh Hashanah be concerned that maybe uh, you can't eat while she's pregnant because maybe the fetus is going to be a boy? It's going to come at, says the Gemara, you know, if a fetus is always a problem, even if the fetus would end up being a girl, a nekeva, a female, nami posla, that would also... That would also get in the way. Okay? Now, what's the svara over here? What's the, what's the logic that we're saying? So we're saying like this. In general, the world, when a woman's pregnant, we have a 50-50 chance that uh, the baby is going to be a male or a female. Now, as we're about to say, we're also, there's also a small percentage of fetuses that don't make it. So we should combine the fetuses that don't make it with the Nekevus and say that there's a minority chance that this child is going to be a Zachar and let them eat. It says the Gemara, He's saying He's giving two reasons. First of all, I'll tell you why I'm saying that they're not allowed to eat. Even if the fetus is a Nekeva, also she would get in the way of the servants eating truma. And furthermore, even if it comes out to be a zakhar, they're not going to get anything. So he says, whether it's a boy, whether it's a girl, that's his whole point. They're not going to, therefore, they're not allowed to eat. says the Gemara, it seems that, not it seems, Rabbi Shemar said that if there are men left behind, then the servants could eat shuma. Why? Again, the mother's pregnant. So over. didn't we say whenever there's a fetus, the fetus gets in the way of the rights of giving over to somebody else to eat truma? So even if there's sons left behind, why are we permitting the servants to eat? Says the Gemara Kasovar, because hold top of tomorrow's daf, we're not for miuta. We're not concerned it's gonna be a boy. Okay? Why not? Because the Sfara we said earlier, the logic we said earlier, that 50-50 male female, there's also a chance the children won't make it, so it's going to be, you know, at least 51% chance, we'll, we'll call it, or a little over 50% chance that this is, that this is uh, um, not a zakhar, and therefore we, we push aside that possibility. Another reason for Hashem Rechai might be, we are concerned about a minority, because he says we establish a takana, a way to help out, the fetus, 
um, to make sure that he has some sort of Yerusha. Rav Nachman Amar Shmuel, like Rav Nachman says in the name of Shmuel, Rav Nachman Amar Shmuel, Yisayim Shavol Lachlik Menechsei Avim, when you have orphans that come to divide the Nechosim, the property of their father, Bezdim Amid Lam Abitrapas. If they're Katanim, if they're minors, a Bezdim sets up um, somebody who oversees the estate. Ubar Lehem Chelak Yafa. And the Apitropis is the one responsible to make sure everybody gets up with a fair amount, proper amount. Higdilu, once they get older, yechelun lemchais. They could, uh, once they turn bar mitzvah, they can go back and say, you know, I, I really don't think that the way the, the um, Apitropis acted was in my best interest. And the kids could go back and ask that the whole thing should be looked at again. For Rav Nachman himself says, When they get older, they cannot protest about the original agreement. Okay? If, if we do allow them to protest, listen, it was Bezdin who set this up. Bezdin, in general, has the complete power, the complete ability to oversee people's finances. There's a rule, Hefker, Bezdin, Hefker. If Bezdin gives away your stuff, it's considered Hefker. And therefore, he says that as long as Bezdin set this all up, and we feel it was, and Bezdin saw that it was done in his best interest, even if he doesn't like it when he gets older, he cannot go back and, uh, he cannot go back and protest. So Gemara says, um, the same thing would hold true when it comes to the fetus, okay? We should say that anything that doesn't automatically go back to the wife, kind of, we hold on to on, on uh, behalf of the fetus, and therefore it should still belong to the other brothers, since it still belongs to the other brothers, the servants should be allowed to eat Shuma. You understand? This is amazing. This is amazing, amazing, amazing. The fetus being here and not having the ability to claim anything basically is forcing us to wait. If we're being forced to wait, so the sons of the Kayin are now the ones who are considered to be in control of the servants, and therefore they could eat Shuma. Says the Gemara, Lehmadar of Nachman Tanohi. Maybe the opinion of Rav Nachman seems to be a machlekes tanoim, right? Because Rav Nachman was just going seemingly in the opinion of Shem The Tanakama says you can't. So is the opinion of Rav Nachman actually citing, uh, getting involved in a machlokas between tanoim? Says not necessarily the Kuliyama. Everybody agrees. Isluhu the Rav Nachman. Everybody agrees with Rav Nachman's idea. Okay, meaning that. Um, you know, if uh, Bezdin set somebody up and they divided it, and some certain, certain parts need to be held on to, so um, even if it's Nechzei Tzom Barzo, um, no, I'm sorry, when it's Nechzei Tzom Barzo, you, they would continue to be allowed to eat Truma. V'hacha, but over here in our Mishnah, B'chayshin L'me'uta, K'miflegi L'machaykes, is only about Chayshesh L'me'uta. Whether we're concerned or not, the fetus is eventually going to take uh, take a role in the inheritance, right? If you're chayish l'miuta, so then we would be concerned because we're going to say, even though it's less than 50% chance that this kid's going to be a living male, we're chayish l'miuta. We're concerned about that. If you're not chayish l'miuta, then you're going to say, let them just divide it because even if the fetus uh, is a male, it's okay. We're going to follow whatever Bezdin did. Okay, period, end of that conversation. Let's last piece before the Mishnah. Let's wrap this up. Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yaisi, Aimer Mishumavid. Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yaisi, quotes his father, Rabbi Yaisi. Today's whole daf has been about Rabbi Yaisi. We're, we're focused on Rabbi Yaisi's opinion of our Mishnah. Here we go. Habas Michael, if there's a daughter, the slaves could eat Truma. Habain, Eina Michael. If there's a son, 
does not allow others to eat shum. Says the Gemara to clarify, and we said we're going to clarify this later, so here we go. What is the reason that if there's a son, the servants cannot eat shum? Because the mother's pregnant? The sons cannot because there's a, there's a baby? If a baby's a problem, a baby's a problem. Right, this baby that's getting in the way of us dividing it and therefore getting in the way of the slaves being entitled to eat their juma is the same issue whether or not this fetus has sisters or brothers. Answer the Gemara, Here we're dealing with, there was very, very little that was left behind in the estate. Okay? Now, very, very little means there's not going to be, if we wait, there's not going to be much money that's uh, capable of uh, being divided. Ukegoin, um, for example, Dika Bas Bahade Bas. Okay? Meaning, what does it mean that there's a daughter? It means you have you have two children. You have a son and you have a daughter. Okay. So in such a case, you have a son and a daughter. Guess where that money is going to be used for? The daughter. You know why? Because the son granted is the one who owns the money, but he's obligated to use that money to support his sister. The halacha is, if there's no finances, so the brothers need to go knocking on doors to support their mother and sisters. So if there's a little bit of money, the, the kid's not really walking away with anything. He's got to make sure his sister's taken care of first. Because if the fetus ends up being a boy, he's not any better than the brother that's alive. In the same way the brother that's alive, when there's really not much there, is not going to get anything. The fetus isn't going to either. Ibasi, and if the fetus ends up being a girl, why is she getting it? Because of the takana of the rabbanon who say that the women are supposed to, that the, the money of the estate is supposed to be used for, for the girls. Well, let me tell you something. She's not alive yet. The rabbanon never said you got to hold on to something for her. But my ukimta. Says the Gemara, how are we establishing the case of the, how are we establishing the case now? What are we saying? In order to make sense of this, we're saying there's not much money, and therefore it doesn't make a difference whether it's the fetus is a boy or a girl. But Ema Seifa, let's look at the Seifa of the Bryce. The Seifa of the Bryce has said that the reason why the servants can't eat Juma is because maybe the Uber is going to be a Zachar. And when there's a Zachar, the daughters don't get anything. But there's no money, I thought. If there's no money, why are you saying that, if the, that the daughters don't get anything? Just the opposite. Whenever there's a limited amount of money, guess who's going to walk away with everything? The girls are going to be the ones who gain from the finances. An excellent point, if that's the whole focus of our Mishnah. To which the Gemara answers, Seifa Asan the Merubim. You're right, the way you have to explain is at the beginning of the Mishnah is talking about where there's not a lot of money, and the Seifa is talking about where there is a lot of money. Now, ideally, we prefer not to give that answer. Ideally, we prefer to say that the entire Brisa is a consistent case. But over here, we're kind of being... Forced into that corner. Okay. Now, let, we're going to wrap up before the Mishnah with an interesting discussion, which we need to clarify. And that's like this. We've been kind of saying that if there's not a lot of money here, the daughters take ownership. Why? Because even if the sons were to inherit, they need to support the daughters. Does that make it theirs? Even if the money's going to be used, when, when money's being used for somebody, does that make it 
that they actually own it? Now, if they actually own it, right? That's Gemara is going to have to clarify over here. Here we go. It says Gemara. Is it really true if there's not a lot of money that it's, it all is like the, under the ownership of the daughters? If the orphans come and they sell a little bit of the property left behind, it's valid. So the boys go ahead and they sell a little bit of the property. It's a valid sale. The problem is, according to the way we've been saying it at least, it belongs to the girls. So if the, you can't sell property that's not yours, if it really belongs to the girls when there's a little bit left, why is the sale of the boys valid? So Gemara says, you know what it means? Daughters don't literally mean daughters. It means the mother. Okay? The mother. So either it belongs to the mother. When the Brisa says that a mother allows others to eat, uh, a daughter allows, a bas allows others to eat, Shuma really is referring to the mother. Fine. Says the Gemara, Yehachi, Hainu Rabbi that seems to be the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, because we're saying daughters are the mother, and Rabbi Yaisi was the very one who gave us this opinion, who says that a ober doesn't allow Tzayin Barzal from eating Shuma because the mother. Same thing. As the Gemara says, Kula Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yaisi, Katani La. You're right. The whole thing was taught by Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yaisi, Kavaldik. Okay, meaning Rabbi Shmuel was quoting his father, both in the Reisha and in the Seifa, beautiful. Kavaldik, that wraps up that idea. And now we're up to the Mishnah, two-thirds of the way down on Samach Zayin Amud Beis. All right, let's give a quick introduction. Let's give a quick introduction. We've been learning about scenarios where things that are owned by the Kohen allow, uh, when a Kohen purchases something, acquires something, allows that entity to eat truma. Okay? Now, interestingly, if a Kohen, um, if a Kohen's daughter, a Kohenis, marries a Yisrael, a Yisrael, she didn't move in with him yet, she didn't do Nisuin, all she did was Averson. So she's been acquired by the Yisrael, but she's still living in her father's house. Whose domain is she called under? If she's considered the domain of the father, so the Torah says, anything in the domain of a Kohen can eat Truma. Otherwise, she cannot. Okay? Or how about this? How about... If you have a regular Yisraelis woman who's engaged to be, I should have engaged, she had Arison to a Kohen. She hasn't moved in with him yet. Can she eat Truma? Do we say she's still living in her father Yisrael's house, so she cannot? Or do we say she's been acquired by her husband, so she should be allowed to eat Truma? So, a few fascinating cases in our Mishnah. Here we go. When you have a case of a fetus, okay, what does it mean a case of a fetus? You have a Kohenes that was widowed with a fetus. Kohenes, she comes from a family of Kohanim. She married Yisrael who passed away and now she's pregnant. 
She's going to go back to her father's house. She's living in her father's house. Can she eat Shuma? We're about to see. Or do we say the fact that she has a fetus, that's Yisrael, is going to get in her way. The Hayavam. And a Yavam. Okay. So you have a woman who's a Kahanas. I'm sorry, you have a woman, yeah, woman who's a Kahanas. Marries Yisrael. The Yisrael dies childless. Usually she can go back to her father's house, but the problem is she has a Yavam, you know, connected to her. All right. Vaharison, or in Arusa, the case we gave when we were introducing the Mishnah, Kayan's daughter has step one of marriage, and then uh, she's waiting now. Vaharish, or a deaf mute. Okay, a deaf mute. The halacha is um, even if um, they were married without children, he's going to. Uh, automatically cause that she's not allowed to eat truma as we're going to learn on tomorrow's dafim mitzvah. All these people, ubas teisha shonim v'yamechon, or if she's, um, if she had relations with a boy who's older than nine years old, which is considered relations, paislin. In all these cases, she's not allowed to eat truma anymore. V'loy machilin. And she's not allowed to eat truma, and she's, um, other people cannot eat truma because of her. Um, we're, we're in doubt whether he was nine years old. Or maybe he was not nine years old in a day. Or we're unsure. Whether uh, a person was bar mitzvah, whether he had shtei saris when he married her, maybe he has not brought shtei saris. Okay? The halacha is that, as we know, that you need two things to be considered an adult male. You need to have shtei saris, two black pubic hairs, or it doesn't need to be black if you have a different color hair, but mature hairs, we'll call it not just a fuzz, as well as the age. Okay? So from the fact that there's a chance that he was an adult or the chance there was a relations, all these things are go, we're going to be machmer, we're going to be strict, and she cannot eat truma anymore. What happens if a house fell on him and also his niece? Okay. Him and his niece. Now what does it mean him and his niece? So Baruch Hashem for Rashi. Rashi says that you have a guy here who had two wives. One was his niece, his brother's daughter. And another one was a regular woman. Okay. And now he dies and his niece dies. We don't know which one of them died first. We're now going to go back into a little bit of Yavamas now. So what's the difference... Um, who died first? Because the question is, the brother, here's the deal. The, if, the, if the man died first, so then these two wives, we had this case earlier in the Masechta, he's leaving behind two wives. One's his niece, one's an unmarried woman, but his, brothers can, his brother cannot do Yibam because this is his brother's daughter and, an, and a tzara. So the tzara's erva is out the door. You don't need a Yibam or Chalitza. But we don't know who died first. Let's say 
the brothers, as we learned earlier, right? Let's, let's give names again. Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Reuven's married to Shimon's daughter. A house fell on Reuven and Shimon's daughter. If Shimon's daughter died first, then Reuven was alive with one wife for a split second or a minute. And now Reuven's killed. That one wife falls to Shimon and Ibum. She's not Sarah Serva. Shimon is going to have a mitzvah to marry her. However, if Shimon's brother, if Reuven died first, a minute before Shimon's daughter, so then now there's two women waiting in Ibum, and Shimon does not need to do Ibum on either. Certainly not his daughter. And the Tzara also, the co-wife also, there's no Ibum on because of Tzara's But since we have a suffix, we're in doubt over who died first. So we say, let's do Chalitza and not Yibam. Gavaldi. Says the Gemara. Ha'ober, we said, if there's a fetus, the fetus, um, the, the fetus does not allow his mother to eat Shuma. Ibas Kayan Yisrael, says the Gemara. If she was a Kayhanes married to a Yisrael, and now there's a fetus, so Pasola, the fact that there's a fetus says that she's not allowed to go back to her father's house. Okay. Remember, she was a Baskayan, she was a Kahanis. And she's married to Yisrael. So she cannot go back and eat Truma in her father's house. Why not? Why not? Kin Ureha, because the only time you go back to your father's house and not allow to eat Truma again is when you're like, you, it's, it's like when she was like she was younger. What does that mean? Pratlamubaris. To exclude now that she has a fetus. Ibas Yisrael Akayan, if she was Yisraelis married to Akayan, then. Um, he does not allow her to eat truma, Yalid Michael, because only when the child's been born does he allow his mother to eat truma. Sheina Yalid in a Michael, but until the child's born does not allow her to eat truma. Okay, excellent clarification. Yeshikayach, Rabbi Gemara. Here we go. Next part of the Mishnah. Hayava. If let's say the Kohenes who married the Israel is waiting for his brother to marry her, she cannot eat Shuma. Says the Gemara, what's the case? If she was from a family of Kahanim and the brothers are Yisraelim, so the fact that there's a Yavim here does not allow her to go back to her father's house. You know why? She can only go back to her father's house and eat truma when she's allowed to go completely back to her father's house. Over here, she's not allowed to because she's waiting in Yibo. If she's Basrol Tekayin, the Yavam does not, the fact that she's waiting in Yibam does not allow her to eat truma. Kenyan Kasbai, Omar Ahmad of the Torah says she has to be an acquisition of money, which means, she's not an acquisition of money to the Yibam. You know, she's an acquisition of the brother. She's falling from the brother. Since he, he didn't acquire her with money, he acquired her through the laws of Ibum, hence she does not have the right to eat Shumba. One more piece of Gemara to wrap up today's daf. Says the Gemara, a short piece of Gemara, the Arison, a woman who is in Arusa, also cannot eat Shumba. I'll tell you why, says the Gemara. Ibas if she's coming from a family of Kahanim, and she's been acquired by a Yisrael, Pasilah, she cannot eat Shuma, top of tomorrow's daf, to her kinayab behavaya. Because he acquired her through a ring on her finger. The Yisraels now acquired her away from her father. She cannot eat Shuma. Vibas Yisrael lekoyani, and if she was a Yisraelis, who now has Arison to a Kohen, also lo even though he acquired her, she cannot eat Shuma. You know why? 
an outside logic, which is Mishom de Ula, because the logic of Ula, the logic of Ula is, we're concerned if we allow a regular Jewish girl who's Arison to a Kohen, if we allow her to eat Shuma, she's still living in her father's house. She might bring this into her father's house and other people may come to eat it. Understand? She doesn't live with the Kohen. She's been acquired, but she's still living in her own house. So let's say the Kohen sends her Shuma. What's going to happen with her leftovers? Her baby brothers are going to try to eat it. Her parents might eat it. People might eat it. So as long as she's living in a house of Yisraelim, as in Arusa, she's not allowed to eat Shuma. Period. Gavaldik will hold it here for today. Tomorrow evening, 9.45 p.m. on Matzi Shabbos. We will pick up from the two dots of the Hacherish, the second line to clarify that part of the Mishnah. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.